What does it mean to lead today's learning for tomorrow's world? What does it mean to influence, to inspire, to direct and to motivate school communities to take the big step forward and up as they prepare our students to thrive in their world? Well, in Series 11 of the Game Changers podcast series, Adriano and I, the big fella, the blue bagger, the little bloke with the beard who just loves the Waratahs when even though they lose all the time. We've been exploring with educators around Australia and around the world what it means to lead. We've had an absolutely cracking time doing that. We've nearly hit 300,000 episode downloads and listens. Listeners, thank you for your support of our little podcast and helping us to spread the word about today's learning for tomorrow's world. Thank you to our producers, Oliver, for all those series that you've done. We're enormously grateful to the dunk man, the substitute coming in off the bench and taking over and punching it up through the middle. We want to say to Lachlan, thank you for the work that you've done to Kyle and to Matt and all the people behind the scenes. We really love what you do so that we can do what we do. Most of all, big fella, Adriano. I want to pass on a huge thank you to you for all the work that you do to curate and prepare these series. That's enough for the thank yous. Let's get into the Series 11 epilogue. I'm excited. I can't wait. Let's go. Before we start our conversation today, can you share with our audience a little insight into our Series 11 sponsor, Phil? Thanks, Adriano. Of course. We're proud to be partnered with the School for Tomorrow and Alex Bell at Portland Education in delivering a dynamic coaching-based leadership program called Lead Now. Lead Now provides the opportunity for emerging and established middle leaders to further build towards their full potential, contributing to the ongoing high performance of the school community they serve. Head to a schoolfortomorrow.com slash coaching. Let's go. Phil, it's so wonderful to be with you again, and thank you very much for that great introduction. And it's always a pleasure, of course, to work alongside you. It's uh, rich, robust conversations that enlighten not only our listeners, but of course, ourselves. It's interesting in that introduction there, there was a number of little kind of segues, I feel, talking about leadership on the ball. Were you referring to the Carlton great captain who won the Brownlow recently? What is this thing that is both brown (laughs) and low? I don't understand well, to all, our, to all our Australian listeners out there, Phil, of course, knows everything about AFL football. He just pretends to not understand it. Anyway, enough of this nonsense. Let's get into our epilogue about Series 11. We turned our attention to the notion of change your game, change the game, as we attempted to unpack the provocation, are you ready to be a game changer? In Series 11 of the Game Changers podcast, we once again had 10 remarkable humans, an international educational leader superstar, an entrepreneurship champion, a communications guru, a principal of the year nominee, a principled leader, a public education warrior, an internationally recognised instructional coach, a leading leader in girls' education, a ferocious warmth author, and of course, an Oxford Don. Each of these remarkable educators, practitioners and industry leaders challenged our binary thinking and inspired us on a journey to design a better normal. Game changers who planted the seeds for each of us to grow in our understanding of what it takes to change your game to change the game of school. Each Series 11 Game Changers guest shared with us all the knowledge, skills, dispositions and habits that support all leaders 
to thrive today and into their tomorrow. I really loved the opportunity for us to chat with Michael Fullen in episode one, Adriano. You know, in earlier series, we've had uh, uh, similar opportunities to talk to people like Andy Hargraves and Yong Zhao and so on. Michael Fullen is the person who's influenced me more than anybody else in terms of my thinking about how you bring about meaningful change in schools around the world. He revealed such depth of wisdom about what it is that you need to do to bridge the gap between theory and practice. The learning journey for me continued, and it's wonderful to see that the sorts of things that he's thinking about and he's grappling with right now are both have an enduring quality, but also an immediate relevance to what schools around the world are encountering right now and what it means to lead through the challenges of today's learning for tomorrow's world. For me, Phil, our encounter with Michael, you know, this author of great books like Coherence and Nuance and and Deep Learning and and so many more, uh, reminded us of the how and the what of capacity building, providing, you know, key insights to drive effective leadership. There were four, in fact, that he shared with us. The first was this notion of a focused direction to build collective purpose. The second was about cultivating a collaborative culture while clarifying individual and team roles. The third was about deepening learning to accelerate improvement and foster innovation. And the fourth was this notion of securing accountability from the inside out, that each of us take our own ownership in in what it is that we do and how we continue to contribute. It was a fascinating conversation. He was so generous with his time. And I'm glad that you had the opportunity to meet one of your educational heroes. The more you think about it, the more you realise that your connection with the people who inspire your thinking and ultimately your model for what education should be is uh, is a longitudinal relationship. It's not just a, a quick grab. It's not just something that you see at a conference and that you move on from. It's an engagement with a body of work over time as you wrestle in the in the same way you know the wrestling underpins the development of character it underpins the development of the character of a school it underpins the relationship that you have with the development of your philosophy your purpose and then how you put it into practice with the people who inspire that over time so it's a real privilege to be able to do that so thank you for organizing that mate well, you know, there's there's something to be said in what you just shared there too, because one of the things that I took away from my com- our conversation with Michael was, of course, that he, he's been on a constant evolution, that his learning hasn't been linear, and there's been lots of uh, ebbs and flows and iterations about what he believes, but also what works in a particular context. And there's a certain kind of messiness associated to that too, but there's a great curiosity that's born from that discovery that comes through. And talking about curiosity, let's move to our episode number two with the remarkable founder and CEO of Hex, Jeanette Chi. You know, when we had the conversation with this dynamic individual, for me, it was about unleashing our kind of entrepreneurial skill set. And, and she had this real deep commitment to the spirit of young people in our schools and beyond. You know, Jeanette is is committed to supercharging the next generation of startups and leaders and empowering generations of young people to be authors of their own future who can take action to create the world they want to live in. And our conversation with her explored this kind of intersection of education and innovation where Hex is delivering this kind of new kind of learning, experiences that are immersive, that are up to date and based intentionally in the real world. 
I think the real world thing is the important thing. You know, if we look around schools in Australia, in New Zealand, in South Africa, in Europe, in the UK, in North America, what we're seeing right now is a collision between what the real world is demanding of schools and the aspirations that schools have to do all the sorts of things that they want to do. Everywhere, people are tired. Everywhere, people are frustrated. Everywhere, people are adapting and innovating and changing all of the time to make work the things that need to work. There are lots of plans being developed and lots of plans being abandoned and and being adapted all, all over the place. It's the learning of people like Jeanette that can really help us manage inside ourselves and for our colleagues this dissonance that's caused by that gap between intention and reality. It's something that's present all of the time. I remember encountering the concept of the knowing-doing gap in Jeffrey Pfeffer and Robert Sutton's book 20-odd years ago now, the idea that there is always a liminal space between where we are right now what we need to deal with right now, the urgencies of today with the aspirations for tomorrow. And we have to have methods for dealing with it because that gap is never going to change. It's a constant in our humanity. It's a constant in schools. You know, if if, if schools are microcosms of society, if, if schools are exemplars of the way in which people come together to create systems for the generation of of knowledge, of skills, of dispositions and of habits, those competencies that reveal character and are built on a foundation of wellness, there's no system that's perfect around it. If we don't have people like Jeanette showing us the way forward to managing that type of imperfection, then very quickly we can drive ourselves nuts in schools, can't we? Because we're, you know, we're, we're always looking for the next thing. What's next? What's next? What's next? That's not fixed. That's not fixed. That's not fixed. And, and you know, there's a difference between being relentless in our pursuit of continuous improvement and being unrealistic in search of perfection. You know, it's, it's interesting because as I'm sitting here listening to you, Phil, I'm thinking that when we then encountered our, our third guest in this series in episode three, Jim Knight, our encounter with Jim was so much about how leaders then could create the necessary narrative to shift the conversation and transform schools exactly what you're talking about. But he gave us some of the tools on how to do that. You know, Jim Knight, instructional coaching from the Instructional Coaching Group, is a research associate at the University of Kansas Centre for for Research on Learning. He reminded us of the profoundness of effective communication as a leader. And leaders without communication are all at sea, without effective communication. And effective communication is is a catalyst for our capacity to improve schooling. You know, his excellent book that many, many people across the globe have read, and I know many Australian educators have read as well, you know, Better Conversations, is jam-packed full of goodness, guiding us through ways of coaching ourselves and each other to be more credible, to be more caring, and fundamentally more connected in the relationships with the people in the communities that we serve. Absolutely. The conversation with Jim reminded us of the importance of people at the centre of what it is that we do in school communities and that the real technical work of the leader, it's not about timetables, it's not about budgets, it's not about curriculum and assessment and so on and so on. It's about people and it's about bringing the storylines together so that we can share a storyline from yesterday to today to tomorrow. And as you said earlier, Adriano, it's messy. 
it's not an easy thing to do. And the conversation with Jim, I really enjoy the way that this absolute master of his trade, of his profession, of his craft, was willing to wrestle openly with some of the challenges of contemporary education without necessarily coming to easy answers around what the outcomes need to be and focusing on processes of engagement and of communication that can help leaders and communities come together to try and propose solutions, which can then be tested and refined and iterated over time. Yeah, it's a great guy, Jim. Really, really enjoyed the conversation with him. As I did the opportunity for us to talk with Michelle Carroll from St. Catherine's School in Turat. So we started with the great theorist. We go to a great innovator, an entrepreneur. We then go to a great thinker about conversation and coaching and the way in which we engage. And then we go to a great practitioner, somebody who's there in the trenches on a daily basis with her team as they think about what it takes to move a community forward through the immediacy of COVID and its impact on their school community. But at the same time, we're thinking about what does today's learning for tomorrow's world look like? And then how do you lead towards that? It's a great privilege for me because I get to work with Michelle and her team pretty much every week to share that working relationship with a broader audience, Adriano. They're doing some terrific things at St. Catherine's where you know they're taking the theory of cultures of thinking. They're taking all sorts of ideas about how to play with time and the use of time. They're taking a profound understanding of girls' education and putting all of that together and continuing to wrestle with solutions that can drive forward the whole of learning and the outcomes associated with that for the St. Catherine's girls. You mentioned before that, you know, we started off with some masters and then we, we're now moving to a number of principles that we featured and, and Michelle was the first in this particular series. You know, our conversation with Michelle, for me, the principal of, you know, St. Catherine's School here in, in uh, Melbourne, demonstrated an exemplar model of courageous leadership. Leadership that is prepared to be open to leaning to this kind of new and innovative kind of way of thinking, leveraging the latest research to inform and form the next learning and wellness practice opportunities for young people and, of course, for the adults that support them. You alluded there to a little bit to about, about St. Catherine's teaching and learning framework. You know, it's, it's a deeply aligned to a model of academic care. They understand the interdependence of wellness and learning. It aspires to foster fearless and bold young women. It's highly aspirational in that regard. And Michelle is an outstanding example of this character disposition, leading a community that fosters agile young women, fully prepared to navigate their futures across new and emerging industries, and wanting them to thrive in a, in a global and, and digital communities. And they persevere through adversity and they remain deeply authentic and fearless in that in that pursuit. The fearlessness, I think, is important. You know, it, it speaks to that quality of courage, that character disposition of courage that is just so very, very important. And you know, in in our book, Game Changers: Leading Today's Learning for Tomorrow's World, you know, we we conclude the book by identifying the four essential character dispositions of contemporary leaders in school communities. We talk about the curiosity. We talk about compassion, we talk about courage, and we talk about conviction. Paul Browning at St. Paul's School in mm. Queensland, he's got all of those in spade loads. The one I think he exemplifies the most is curiosity, don't you? Absolutely. Paul, for, for me, 
really is curious about the human condition. And he's really curious around how we can create healthy school cultures. He spoke a lot about the foundation of those healthy school cultures being built, of course, on the speed of trust. And that trust is a fundamental resource for any kind of successful leader. He offered for us timely advice on, on the key leadership practices and processes that can help executive members in schools build and develop the skills to establish and sustain trust to become more trustworthy leaders. Growing these leadership practices in trust resulted in and results in positive school culture, unleashing enormous potential and opportunity and the creation of the conditions for innovation and student outcomes to thrive. It's all based on the fact that he is open about the possibility of the other, he's inherently curious about what they can bring to contribute to the formation of community. And he's a great innovator as well too. Yeah, yeah. And he's passionate about what he does and he cares deeply. And he understands that in his story, there need to be different episodes, different chapters with different communities so that he's got the opportunity to bring his best version of himself to the story along the way. So he's a great example of somebody who refuses to rust in place and who who just wants to continue to find newer and better ways of doing things and getting things done, as does, of course, the wonderful Christine Causey, the principal of Rudy Hill High School in the beautiful city of Sydney in the great state of New South Wales, our guest on episode six. Christine Causey is an absolute legend in public education in our country. I sometimes think with Christine that she's forgotten more about running a school than you or I will ever know put together. She understands all that technical stuff that we were talking about earlier about timetables and curriculum and budgets and so on and so on and so on. She understands deeply about the management of people within the community. She understands the values and value of aspiration and of fairness and of justice. And she understands at the same time too what it means to develop a cohort of leaders who can then take all that learning and all that understanding and apply that in other school contexts. In other words, it's not about her, it's about them, it's about us for Christine. Christine's a highly respected principal, at, not only at Rudy Hill, but in, in education more broadly. And of course, she's also the, a director of the Greater West uh, Sydney Giants, you know, an AFL football team, Phil, you know, happens to be in New South Wales as well. Just goes to show she's not perfect, mate. <laughs> um, uh, what, what it highlighted for me, of course, was the value of teaching and learning with conviction. You know, C Christine has a strong perspective of equity, social justice, and has been an important voice for those on the margins, inherently believing that if we reduce inequity across our education system and throughout society, we give every young person the ultimate opportunity to thrive. And you've even, you've even acknowledged that in talking about how she heroes people and puts them at the centre of her leadership. Isn't it interesting? It seems to be a pretty common thread, right? That people are at the centre of all the work of these individuals that we've spoken to in Series 11. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think one of the things that I love about it is that nobody, whether they're global system thinkers like Michael Fullan or school principals with a particular community, nobody is proposing one-size-fits-all solutions. There might be frameworks that draw on common understandings, but every one of those frameworks is nuanced to the needs of the people in the room. 
And, you know, Christine's a great example of that focus on her people, her community, and developing solutions that are going to work the best for them. To do that, she needs a keen understanding of their story and of where they're going to and where they've come from, just like Daniel Fine, who is our Episode 7 guest, middle school deputy principal in Singapore currently, but with a, a profound background in, in belonging, in understanding the journeys of people who are at the margins of, you know, to use Peniel Rip's term, of the voices who have not yet been heard. Quite a different perspective, I think, probably from my perspective. And, you know, you know me, I, I tend to start with the glass half full. I tend to start with the notion of trying to find the centre. But I recognise that if we, if we can work to support the people at the margins, then we'll be able to support people better in the centre, just as well, if not better as well, too, because every school community works better when we attend to the needs of every student, no matter what their needs along the way. Darnell starts from a position of understanding that some people come from a position of deficit. Some people come from a position of trauma. Some people come from a history of deprivation. Some people come from behind. Um, and that if we don't understand the reality of that, then we can get lost in a, mm -hmm. in a Pollyanna vision of the centre. There's a balancing act there, really, isn't there? And that if yeah. we can't learn to tell the different stories in and around our community, if we don't understand who historically may well have been excluded from a community, then how are we ever going to help heal the fissures in our society that have been caused by historic injustice? Yeah. You know, it was a deeply fascinating and far-reaching conversation with Darnell. And as you said, you know, a middle school deputy principal, but he's also a highly recognised international instructional coach. And of course, yes, he's starting from that construct that you just shared, but he's a radical optimist. And, and yeah, Darnell, he, Darnell provided for us insights into what a more equitable what more inclusive teams in our learning communities could look like. He also provided us with this aspiration of a culturally responsive classroom, places of learning that strengthen students' sense of belonging and identity, that promote equity and, and inclusivity, that engage young people in cultural awareness and that foster a kind of critical consciousness of the other. It's exactly what you're talking about, Phil. We need to know the other's story. How do we then enter into an exchange with other people in, a, in an authentic way if, we don't, if we're not prepared to listen to their story and understand the pain points of that journey for us to ensure that, one, we don't repeat those behaviours, of course, but then we move forward and we, and, we, and we leverage from their rich lived experiences about what a new tomorrow could be. All of that, of course, requires us to be brave in what we do. All of that, of course, relies on us to be purposeful in the way in which we take on relationships that help coach us through our own blind spots as well as take advantage of our strengths. I think Tracy Ezard, our guest in episode eight, is a cracking example of a thinker who can help people to form their own model of leadership that is both theoretically sound and also practical in its application.
you know, through her work as a, as a keynote speaker and educa- an accomplished educator and, of course, author of, of an outstanding leadership book called Ferocious Warmth, Tracy has always, always takes us on this kind of important journey through the key elements of transformational leadership, you know, inviting all that encounter her work to explore the necessary expansive value of being open-minded and curious, of being connected through a deep consciousness of self and the other, of being courageous through one's convictions and be brave in that space. And of course, through the notion of keeping it real, through being an authentic leaders of self, of place and of the other. You know, there's a whole bunch of themes that seem to be developing from the conversations that we've had with our guests on series 11 of the Game Changers podcast, Adriano. And a lot of it is to do with the wrestle. And we've talked about the importance of the wrestling between the inner and the outer and the development of character consistently right throughout the work that we've been doing with our Game Changers guests and elsewhere in our School for Tomorrow network. I want to point out in particular some of the themes, I think, of wrestling, of dealing with incongruity or dissonance or apparent conflict. There's that wrestling between the need to manage the learning and the growth and the development of people in the centre of the community, but then there's also the people at the margin and the people outside the margins of the community and how you bring them in without losing what it is that you do for the people in the middle. There's the need to think about yesterday and today and tomorrow and the different requirements that the heritage and legacy of the past, the urgency of today and the importance of making sure that today's learning is in tune with tomorrow's world um, bring along the way. There's that certainty that you need to project as a leader yourself in a community and at the same time, the ability to draw on others around you to find ways forward for the parts that you're uncertain about because all of Mm. us have doubts, all of us have parts that we feel as though we can't do in our roles and our jobs along the way. There's an interdependence that sits within school communities. There's a complexity about how school communities work. And I think what we see from our Game Changers guests in in Series 11 is a way in which they can situate themselves within a community and lead people to take a big step forward and up and carry people away and help people co-construct the strategy to build the culture and to tell the story of what it is that they're doing along the way without having to be perfect themselves, without having to know all of the answers. In fact, it's the vulnerability, and that's what you always talk about, you know. It's that ability to acknowledge that you haven't got all the answers and that sometimes you don't have a great day. But what you can do is you can acknowledge and then, as Brené Brown would say, I guess, lean into your strengths and your vulnerabilities to build a team and find a way forward. You know, every time... Any one of our guests in uh, Series 11 enters into an exchange with the other, they hero relationships and they place it at the centre, whether it's a relationship with themselves, whether it's a relationship with the places they serve and, of course, with a relationship with the other. I was able to sit back, Phil, and listen to the special series that you curated with Lawrence Wainwright and Bryony Scott. And when I was listening to both of those long play conversations, it reminded me of the value of committing to sustainable practices and social responsibility that are born from the learnings from our exchanges with self, place and the other. You know, 
two highly insightful individuals you, you shared with our audience from two completely different contexts. One is deeply committed to sustainable environments and enterprise practices. Yet that's about raising our eyes and looking about what's possible from where we've come from. The other, of course, is about fostering learning environments that sustain the growth and achievement of all the people in her care. The commonality there, of course, is that it's about sustaining the possibility of people. Both of them amplified that in their work, but coming from two very different ways. For me, what what was most impressive about, about Lawrence and Bryony is that they are prepared to do the work on themselves. And this is what you were talking about a moment ago, This the capacity to be introspective, capacity to be highly reflective about where you are at at any given time. Where are your blind spots? Where are there opportunities to fill those gaps and bring people in so that we can all flourish together because together we're so much better. And at the heart of what it is, is when they're preparing to put that work into themselves, to be in that position of deep vulnerability, to understand what it is to be able to sustain others, we have to understand, understand how we sustain ourselves first. One of the things I really enjoy about both Lawrence and Bryony is that the pathways that they have taken to the roles that they have now and to the way in which they think about leadership and they practice leadership and they pass on the practice of leadership to other people have been unconventional in terms of a typical career progression to get to Oxford University and Winona School. On the other hand, there has been a conceptual and philosophical integrity around what it is that they have done. So they've both thought deeply about who they are, where they're going to, and the experiences, the learning they need to get there along the way. And they haven't let, if you like, a conventional view of what the next step might be to get in the way. What instead they've done is they've drawn on the community around them and the encouragement of their peers to help them take the different steps that they've done along the way. You know, so it's it's on the one hand, in their very careers, they show what it's like to lead from the middle and also to lead from the margins and to take up passionately causes that matter sincerely to them. So, you know, Lawrence with his fearless pursuit of the urgency around climate change and sustainability in the world, and Bryony in her championing of children generally, of girls and women in education, in society, and also her, her quiet championing of those around the world who've, uh, who are living with cancer, who've lived with cancer, who've worked their way through it. I note that she's a board director with the Chris O'Brien Lifehouse. I know that personally, the wonderful work that the people at the, at the Chris O'Brien Lifehouse and other hospitals like that do in treating cancer patients. We teach who we are. We lead from the core of our being. We lead through who we are as well too. And I think both Lawrence and Bryony, they're both delightful human beings. They're great to have a yarn with. What a, what a privilege, yet again, that you've given me to engage in conversations like these and to share those with our listeners. Thank you for sharing that, Phil. So I just want to say now to wrap this up, you know, thank you to Michael, to Jeanette, to Jim, to Michelle, to Paul, to Christine, to Darnell, to Tracy, Lawrence and Bryony for all of our Game Changers in Series 11 for sharing their story and their purpose. And to all those who have listened or are listening to Series 11, you will now have a deeper understanding that central to the game-changing leadership, as beautifully demonstrated by our guests, the character dispositions of curiosity, 
compassion, courage, and conviction are real, are constant, and are the key elements that we believe for not only leaders to thrive, but of course, their communities that they serve to thrive. And finally, we should never forget, Phil, that each person in our learning community is home to a unique life. It's as simple and as complex as that, born from the construct of love for self, for place, for planet, and of course, for the other. Thank you, my friends. Let's carry on, shall we? And uh, find ourselves in series 12. We've been looking at the notion of changing the game by changing your game in this series. I wonder where that might take us in series 12 when we start thinking about the agency and the voice and the advocacy that changing your game and changing the game bring to everybody in schools and the communities that they serve. I'm excited about this. I can't wait. Let's go. Since 2020, we've been shining a light on brave pioneers, the game changers who know the way, go the way and show the way forward as we build today's learning for tomorrow's world. The Game Changers podcast is produced by the dunk man himself, Lachlan Duncan, is available on Apple Podcasts. It's available on SoundCloud. It's available on Spotify. It's available on Google Play. If you like what you hear, tell your friends, let's go.